welcome to Curmudgeon's Corner for Saturday, March 25th, 2023. It is just after 19 UTC as I am starting to record. Uh, real quick, I'm going to do a but first and then three main topics. Uh, I'm going to talk about election graphs. I'm going to talk about the Trump drama with the indictment uh, pending, maybe, kind of, sort of, will it happen, when, where, what, and finally, a little bit on this whole TikTok ban uh, discussion. <laughs> Thanks, Jetski. That's the plan anyway. And hey, you might have noticed, I have not mentioned Yvonne Bo. He is not here. And, uh, you know, I promised last time that I would be more systematic about finding potential co-hosts. You know, I was like, you know, because I, you know, uh, lately I've just been like, I've grabbed my son and we've talked about some media stuff and like that kind of thing. And before that, I was sort of uh, just asking on the curmudgeon's corner slack sometimes. Um, and, you know, it would... Uh, and, and Ed would sometimes come in and Bruce would sometimes come in, but you know, you never know. But like lately I hadn't even done that. I'd just been like, I don't feel like it. I'm going to get, yeah, Alex will talk about some shows with me and blah, blah, blah. So whereas I used to, this is the, but first, by the way, I'm talking about the whole co-host thing, but the, I used to have like a, a an, an email list that I had accumulated, which was people who would host people who had co-hosted the show in the past, people who had said they were interested in doing so, uh, the people on our Slack, et cetera. And I would email that list and get back replies. And I felt, felt like that's like a much wider range of people and you get some variety and blah, blah, blah. Now, okay, let's be honest. It was usually Ed and Bruce. For those of you who have been listening a while, Ed and Bruce would step up more most often. In the past, there were some other people as well. But uh, uh, in recent years, it was more Ed and Bruce uh, when it wasn't Alex or it wasn't me grabbing my wife or something like that. So I was like, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to revive that. I'll be systematic. And be, because I want to get variety as well, I'll like exclude the last few people. So like I'll, I'll, I'll take the last few people who co-hosted and I won't email them, but I'll email everyone else on the list. So in this case, the last, I, I was thinking the last three, but there was a tie for third place because the most recent was Alex before that was Ed. And then before that was the show way back in um, May of 2022, where I had Christy, Brandy, and Shelly host the show, and I actually actually didn't say anything at all, except at the very beginning and the very end. Um, and so I excluded those five people. I excluded Alex, Ed, Shelly, Brandy, and Christy, and instead emailed to the rest of this list, which were 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 people. Um, and I, I think there might have been one person who co-hosted the show once who I didn't include for reasons, but like 19. There were 19 people. I asked, you know, hey, Yvonne can't make it. Any of you want to? And I even said, even if you can't do it, say hi if I haven't talked to you for a while. No, no, no response from any of them. Not at all. None. 
Um, anyway, so I got no responses. So uh, it is just going to be me talking. Alex may pop in and out. He's here, you know, and he pops in even when it's Yvonne and I sometimes. Um, so it's just going to be me. And so, yeah, I will put out, I used to have a break that said this, but if you are a Comudgeon's Corner listener and you are interested in maybe someday being on the show, send me an email, feedback at curmudgeons-corner.com and say so. I will add you to this little list that I send to and uh, uh, see if we can get some some other co-hosts in at some point. Um, and you know, I could have not excluded the recent co-hosts and maybe one of those other people could have done it. Uh, I'm sure my son would have jumped at the chance. Uh, but, and and maybe some of the others, I don't know. Anyway, so you just got me. You just got me. Uh, I am really excited about the curmudgeons corner stuff. Uh, no, not the curmudgeons corner stuff. I'm the, the election graph stuff. Anyway, first up today will be the election graph stuff. I'll, I will take a break before it, but I am excited, I will say, because I, I you know, I, I my target originally was the midterms to have this up and running. It's obviously like, let's see, December, January, February. It's four months past that, but I finally have it up, and I actually wish I'd gotten it up sooner because it, it, there's a lot of stuff going on in the polls already, all through last year, and I could have been covering it and talking about it, but no, no, I was delayed and then blah, blah, blah. But I finally got it. It's up. It's launched. I have backfilled it with all the polls up through, uh, you know, last night. And um, yeah, so here's, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to take a break. While I am in this break, I am going to do the blog post for election graphs talking about, hey, we're all caught up on polls and here's what the situation looks like right now. And then I'm going to come back and talk about it. For you, the break will just be a few seconds or whatever. For me, probably a few hours. And so I'm once again taking advantage of anchoring in the correct week uh, so that this is the Saturday, March 25th show, but we'll probably be recording through you know, Sunday the 26th as well. And I'll put it out at the end of that day. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about anything I said in this first segment. Anyway, we'll take a break and I will talk about what election 2024 looks like according to my election graph site. Back after this. Do, do, do. This podcast is sponsored by alexmzilla.com. Alex Emsla is great. It's on YouTube and it has lots of fun videos. Alex Emsla is awesome and great. I love his videos and they are obviously better than Curmudgeon's Corner. Well, they're funnier, they're more interesting, and frankly, he seems at least a little smarter than either of the hosts of Curmudgeon's Corner. Honestly, it's ridiculous how endlessly talented and phenomenal Alex Emsela is. That's how great his YouTube channel is. A-L-E-X-M-X-E-L-A dot com. Yes. Do, do, do! 
and I'm back. And indeed, it is a few hours later, as I said, it would be at least for me, for you, it's only a few seconds later. Um, and indeed, in the meantime, I made my election graphs post about how things look at the moment. So I'll give you the reference. If you go to electiongraphs.com, uh, posted on March 25th, here we are, narrow Trump lead over Biden. Um, some of you may have already read it before you even listen to this podcast. So let me give you the basic rundown. Uh, bottom line is that right now, Trump is very narrowly ahead. Um, and what does that mean? Um, well, first of, first of all, let me say, when you're looking at state polls like this, and we are this far out, um, they occupy some time, right? Like even some of the most... Uh, even of some of the most polled states, like let's let's just take Florida as example. There have been lots of polls in Florida. Um, I think, uh, well, lots, quote unquote. Like when by the time we get to like right before the election, there'll be new polls like every freaking day in like battleground states. But you know, Florida, I'm counting six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, like eleven polls so far of Trump versus Biden. Um, and if you look, I, I do a five poll average that's spanning like four and a half months. Um, a lot of a lot of states are less polled. Um, most of the close states at this point uh, have gotten at least the five polls I use in a five poll average that are actually on 2024. Uh, the exception being Wisconsin, which has only had four so far. Um, and of course, the the congressional districts. There are a couple, uh, you know, you know, Maine and New Hampshire. The congressional districts each get an electoral vote themselves. Uh, and Maine's second congressional district and Nebraska's second congressional district are both relatively close, <laughs> you know. Um, and they have not been pulled at all. And the congressional individual congressional districts uh, will be lucky if we get very many polls of them, even all the way up to the election. Uh, but uh, all the rest, at least in the Biden-Trump matchup, uh, have gotten at least five, like all the close states. Like if you're Montana or something, Mon Montana actually had one poll, you know, awesome. But uh, lots of them have not had any. Min Minnesota has not had any at all yet. Um, you know, so take you have to interpret these state polls properly, which is that they are it's not like the running tracking polls where as we get close to the election, you've got lots of data every single freaking day. Th this is still sort of averages over many months, but it still gives you a good shot. And where we are is again, Trump has a narrow lead. If you just go by my sort of classification scheme, uh, who is ahead period, like assume anybody who's ahead in the polls wins that state, you end up with Trump winning by 18 electoral votes. Um, and when you look at that, it's because if you look at the map and compare to 2020, you know, right away, you can see that here's some, you know, states that Biden won last time that he is not ahead in right now. Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, Wisconsin. 
Uh, I think I think that's it. <laughs> Just, I'm running off memory here as I'm talking about, but those are kind of some important states, and he's just barely ahead in like Pennsylvania and uh, Michigan, and so you get uh, Trump just a little bit ahead because a lot of these states that uh, were close but on the Biden side are now close but on the Trump side, according to current polling uh, at the state level, and. You know, you'll you'll say, but wait, I I thought like even though Biden's popularity was down, wasn't he ahead in like head to head polls with Trump nationally? Well, sometimes. Um, I, I'm looking at the last few of these. Um, and so like here's one from Harris uh, Harris poll. Uh, from March 22nd to March 23rd, Trump up by four. Uh, here's one, uh, Biden-Trump from March 16th to 21st by some outfit called Premise, Trump up by six. Uh, going back a little bit further, we've got a Biden-Trump uh, March 20th from Redfield and Winton, Wilton, Redfield and Wilton, uh, that's a tie. Um, you know, there's a YouGov Biden Trump that has Biden up by two from March 16th to 20th, um, et cetera, et cetera. There, there are definitely some, here's another that has uh, there's a Reuters Ipsos poll from March 14th to March 20th that has, that has Biden up by three. Okay. So there, the bottom line is if you look at the national polls, it's close. You know, if you average them out, Maybe, you know, depending on which ones have come out more recently, here's a Biden-Trump up, Biden up three from March 17th to March 19th for Morning Consult. Uh, you might have Biden up a little bit, um, or you might have it even, or you might have Trump up a little bit. Uh, it It is very close. And I guess this is, this is, um, I, I guess my summary takeaway that I put on my blog post was this is shaping up to be another nail biter election like 2016, like 2020, where, you know, it's just close, you know, and we're, we're going to be within the margin of error of what polls could be wrong. You know, now at least that's right now, like election graphs is if the election was held freaking today, it is not held today. We got a long time to go. We've got more than a year and a half. Biden hasn't even freaking officially entered the race yet. Um, and who knows what will happen with with Trump and his legal issues and whether DeSantis will come in and actually like make a showing and we'll end up with DeSantis instead of Trump or or Biden, Trump or both ha- end up having health issues and can't run. Who the hell knows? Right. Um, so all kinds of stuff could happen. But at the moment, it's looking close again, with Trump having a slight edge at the moment. And I say slight edge because, you know, I mentioned uh, in the sum, I'm because, you know, I mentioned in the summary uh, that you get Trump by 18 if you just naively say who are all the, you know, every state goes to who is ahead in the polls. Um, with that, uh, the tipping point state you, you, is Wisconsin. And 
it's you only need Wisconsin to flip to have Biden in the lead again. And Trump is only ahead by 0.7% in Wisconsin at the moment. And if you look deeper into Wisconsin, you'll find that only four out of the five that I use in my only four out of five that I use in my average are actually 2024 polls. There's still the election, the 2020 election is used in that average because there haven't been enough polls in Wisconsin yet. And all of those polls, of those four polls, plus the 2020 results, four of them show a very, very close race. And then there's one that has like Trump ahead by 10, which kind of seems like an outlier from the rest. So like when it flips off, uh, Wisconsin might actually dip back into Biden being ahead, which would tip the whole election back to Biden being ahead. Um, but it's, 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 it's still very close. And the reason like, and I have these probability based views as well, where I, you know, run Monte Carlo simulate. First of all, I take individual States and say, okay, the current election graphs average is that Trump is up by 1% or whatever. Um, and then what I've done is I've looked at all of the final results that I've had in my little system on election graphs and that I had on my own website before I got a domain for, for it. Uh, so going back to 2008 and looking at what my final average was and comparing it to the actual election results and how far off did those tend to be? And what, what, you know, like if you say Trump up by 1%, what was the range of actual outcomes out of all of the states and, you know, that had that rough, you know, that lead by the Republican? Um, and using that, figure out like mean and means and standard deviations and all kinds of stuff. You know, you can, I made a post on January 1st on election graphs. If you want to go back and look at the details, but anyway, you use that to figure out the odds and say, okay, if the Republican is ahead by 1%, what does that mean for the odds of winning? And let me, you know, I'll, I'll look up the actual answer to that question. Um, a 1% lead by the Republicans, given that entire history, uh, if, and, and this is sort of assuming, you know, you, you always say the past performance doesn't, doesn't guarantee future results. Well, you know, I, I, my best guess is still based on looking at the past performance, right? So a 1% Republican lead translates into a 75.5% chance that the Republican wins. And a 24.5% chance that the Democrat wins, right? Um, and I will take that number and, you know, do a simulation for all the states based on their current averages, run it a million and one times, and then use that, you know, look at stats on what's left, the, the median result and sort of groupings of, you know, one sigma, two sigma, three sigma bands of what the range of possibilities would be. Um, and, and then I generate a, you know, win percentage for the Republican and the Democrat. I actually have two versions of this one that assumes that the states are completely independent of each other. That means like if, if the, uh, 
results in Nebraska are off from the average in a certain direction, it means absolutely nothing to whether the results will be off in the same direction in Maryland. Um, and then a second model where they're completely in lockstep. So like if the polls underestimate the Republican in one state, you assume that the polls underestimate the Republicans in all the states by the same amount, essentially. There are details, but yeah, it's essentially. Um, and so with that, I get uh, two versions of this. And with where the Republican... Oh, sorry, where, 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 with where the polls are right now, uh, with the uniform swing model, you have a 72.2% chance of Trump winning. With the independent states, you get an 80.6% chance percent chance percent percent chance of Trump winning. And um, the the truth is somewhere in between. Like the the states are not completely aligned with each other in terms of how these polling errors happen, and they are also not um, independent either. Uh, it's somewhere in between. And I personally have not been, you know, I have not dug into how I would model and figure out exactly where in that range things should be. If anybody has that mathematical knowledge, get in touch with me. Like I haven't had time to research and nobody's been telling me, Hey, here's how you do it. So, um, so I, at the moment I've just got the two models and they're sort of the extremes. Um, but I will say, like, you know, I mentioned uh, the percentages um, and what they have shown over those 2008 to 2020 years that I used to make that model. It is not symmetrical. Like each one of those years and look at my January 1st post for more details. But each one of those years, the the shape of the error curve was dramatically different. Uh, but I have sort of glommed them all together. Uh, for the four years uh, to say basically like, look, I don't know if, you know, the poll errors are going to look more like 2012 or more like 2020. But if you look at all of those years together, you sort of get a range of possibilities and I've used that. And if you glom them all together, on average, the polls have underestimated the Republican. Now, like I said, not every year, like some of those years went the other way, but the, but on average. So what that means, for instance, is if the Democrat is ahead by 1%, they still only have a 46.8% chance of winning based on the historical results of the polls. In other words, the Republic, if the Democrats are ahead by 1% in the election graph poll average, my analysis of previous years indicates that the Republicans are still slightly favored. 53.2% chance of winning. You actually have to have, the, the Democrats have to have a lead of more than 1.2% to actually have more than a 50-50 chance of winning. So what that means is if you look at the naive, just everybody who's ahead uh, wins the state, um, it might give you a, a picture that's a little bit better from for the Democrats than reality. Um, and again, the errors could go completely the opposite direction next time. You don't know. It depends on how all the pollsters are compensating for previous years and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 
Do they change their methodologies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that means that when you are looking at something that is very, very close to a tie race, just naively through the poll numbers, I'm going to say that still favors the Republicans. I'm not going to feel confident about the Democrats actually being in the lead unless they've got a several percent lead, you know, just because of the variability here. And, and there's lots of variability just to be absolutely clear here. The, even like the naive, like when you, they do a poll and they give you the uh, statistical error, the, the, the base, the sampling error is what they call it. Um, and say it's 3% or whatever. That's the percent error for the Republican percentage or the Democratic percentage. If you change that into an error on the margin, it's double that. So like that, most polls are like a 3% error. So, but that's like a 6% error on the margin. And then you add on top of it, that statistical error is not the only error in place. You've got, you've got various sorts of modeling error. You've got potential non-response error. You've got all, you've got all kinds of other sources of error that flip into there. So unless you see polls that like, you know, okay, fine. You, you, You see a poll that says Biden's ahead in California by 25%. Okay. But Biden's going to win in California. You, you, you don't have to like worry too much about that. But if you see something with either candidate up by two or 3%, that really is completely up in the air. And that's why from the very beginning of what became election graphs in my categorization view, I basically say anything where the margin is less than 5% is up for grabs. It could go either way. Like the, you know, there it's rare, but I've, there've even been cases where the polling average has been, you know, above 5% and it still went the other way. And that's, what was it? Wisconsin in 2016 or whatever, uh, where there was a, I think it was like a seven, I, I could of course check, but I'm not going to, it was like a 7% Hillary lead or something and Trump got it anyway. But that's like really rare when they're that far off. But, you know, three, four, five, yeah, yeah, the, they, they could go anywhere. And that, and that's why I do the probabilities and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, people could quibble with my methods and I'm sure they would. I'm not a professional at this. I'm sure like I've gotten some things wrong and, you know, uh, 538 and the economist and all those folks, when they get around to doing this, uh, they do an awesome job. I'm just doing my little amateur attempt. And I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the actual way I visually present all this stuff, I, I really like it. I know it's kind of nerdy and mathy and some of the charts, like I I have heard people say, like, I look at this chart and I have absolutely no idea what's going on. And I'm like, I'm sorry, (laughs) I I could try to explain it to you, but, uh, you know, I, I try to, you know, present a bunch of stuff in a bunch of different ways. Anyway, bottom, yeah, I keep saying bottom line. If you go back to like, what does this mean right now? So first of all, again, this is not a prediction. This is if 
the election was held today, which it is not, I do not try in any way, shape, or form to model how things might move over time. You know, like, it can change this way. It can change it. No, I don't, I don't, I don't even try. This is all right now, which means certainly like as far out as we are from the election, it's 590.8 days until polls close as I'm reading this to you. But yeah, no prediction. However, what it can be used for is things like, okay, where should each candidate be spending time and thinking about and whatever? And the first thing I'd say is the states that Biden won in 2020, where he is behind right now, he should be paying a shitload of attention right there. He should be in Georgia. He should be in Arizona. He should be in Nevada. And I know he hasn't even he haven't, hasn't even announced his damn campaign yet. But as soon as he does, start paying attention in those places where apparently he has slipped in the last few years. And people who were for him before are not anymore. Similarly, if you go the other direction, it looks like Trump... Um, is has slipping in a few of the, well, you know, the contested states, <laughs> the states where he was all like trying to prove fraud and stuff. A bunch of those are have been slipping bluer, and so if he wants to make a shot, he has to once again. You're talking Pennsylvania. You're talking Michigan. Um, Wisconsin, as I mentioned, is slightly on his side, but only very slightly. He needs to spend some time there. Uh, some places where, uh, also are barely red right now, like North Carolina, it is definitely still red, but it's very pink, you know, so Trump could spend some time there or alternately like, you know, back on the Biden side. So should Biden, you know, it's like, once you shore up Nevada, Arizona, Georgia, get them back on your side, uh, and 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 Wisconsin, um, North Carolina is the next place to sort of tip off potentially. Like it's could be on the edge now. And I'm looking at this and like it's basically okay. What are the close states? And it's like, well, they're the states that are always freaking close. <laughs> You know, so I guess it's like no big surprise right now, based on my numbers. If anything, the the, the big thing is that Biden did lose ground since 2020. And if you look at the history, some of the graphs that show the history over the last couple of years, you will see that it looks like things were moving towards Donald Trump for the last part of 2021 and almost all of 2022. Now, I'll put a caveat on that. There weren't really any polls for 2020, 2020, 2020, 2020, 2024 uh, until midway through 2021. So a lot of the quote-unquote motion you see on my graph in late 2021 and early 2022 is actually just filling in the polls with real 2024 polls and switching from the view that's, hey, here's the average of the last five elections 
to here's an average actually based on 2024 polls. Uh, but that motion, whether it be just the polls catching up or any actual public opinion changes that was moving towards Trump, towards Trump, towards Trump, seems to have peaked at almost exactly the 2022 midterms. Um, and, you know, if, if you do the independent state odds, Trump got up to like a 96% chance of winning. Uh, and on the uniform swing, it was like 84. Um, and then after the midterms, things have been going back in Biden's direction ever since. Um, now, now Trump's still ahead, but like I've said, very narrowly, um, but, but things have been moving back in Biden's direction. Will they stay that way? What will happen next? Your guess is as good as mine. Like there's this whole thing and I'll talk in the next segment about it in terms of like all of the stuff. Will Trump be indicted? What will he be indicted for? When will that hit? Blah, blah, blah. Regardless, that may help him. You know, a Trump indictment may bring home a lot of Republicans who are feeling sort of like, eh, it's time to move on from Trump. I really don't want him. I'm not excited. But he starts getting indicted for things. They may once again start feeling like, okay, we got to defend this country from the goddamn libs. And they may get in- excited, enthused, whatever. And that may actually help Donald Trump. Um, so. I, I, you know, I hate when I, when I do these, cause I end up saying a lot, well, guess we'll see because that's a lot of the truth is that we, we don't know, like the, the, we are not in a position where things are clear cut. We are not in a position where one party or the other is absolutely dominant and everything. We are not going to see you know, a 1984 style Reagan landslide without Reagan, obviously, but we're not going to see that kind of landslide. We are talking a close election again. And we're again talking about a scenario where the electoral college structure gives some benefits to the Republicans. I mean, I mentioned the polling issue, but there's also just the structure of the electoral college at the moment, it changes over time, but at the moment gives a little bit of an advantage to Republicans because they've got a lot of strength in some small states that have more electoral votes, et cetera, and the winner takes all, blah, 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 blah. You know, so so you're once again in a situation where um you could have a 2016 scenario where the Democrat wins the popular vote, but the Republican wins the electoral college. Uh, very, very possible. Um, anyway, it started. I, I, I know I'm rambling about it. I love talking about this stuff. Um, and election graphs is live. Electiongraphs.com. Uh, you can go there. Uh, if you just go to electiongraph.com, you'll t- it'll take you to the blog portion of it with my latest analysis and stuff, uh, like the one I just posted and mentioned, uh, titled "What Was the Title Again?" Ba ba ba. The title was "Here We Are: Narrow Trump Lead Over Biden uh, from March 25th," or or you can uh, go to 
electiongraphs.com slash 2024 EC. And it'll take you straight to sort of all the graphs and charts and blah, blah, blah. Um, and you can look at all the fun stuff and, you know, there's a map, you can click through to the individual states, see the polls in those states. You can see comparisons. Uh, yeah, you can see comparisons with like Biden versus Trump versus Biden versus DeSantis, Harris versus Trump, Harris versus DeSantis, et cetera, et cetera. But I'll be frank with you. Only Biden versus Trump has enough polling to have a reasonable national picture. Biden versus DeSantis has a decent amount of polling, but mostly in specific states. Like there's lots of Biden versus DeSantis polling in Florida um, and a scattering of polling elsewhere, but there's not enough to give you a good national picture. So you'd be deceived if you just took those numbers straight up. Um, but you might be able to, if you're careful, you know, look at what's happening in Florida, look at a couple other states where, you know, there's been lots of Biden versus DeSantis thing and try to generalize what that means. But the national picture isn't there yet. And all of these others, I mean, there've been polls for Harris on the Democratic side. Uh, there, there've been polls for Governor Newsom of California and Governor Pritzker of Illinois, on the Democratic side versus various Republicans, but th- these have been scattered things, mostly in home states, and don't really tell you anything. Uh, similarly, on the Republican side, in addition to Trump and DeSantis, there have been polls on Sununu, Governor Sununu from New Hampshire. And interestingly, Governor Sununu would make New Hampshire flip red. Like, New Hampshire is pretty blue. Normally, I mean, it's not like solid blue, but it's blue um, against Biden and against DeSantis. I don't even know if it gets It's pretty blue against Biden. Uh, sorry. New Hampshire is pretty blue in a Biden versus Trump matchup, but you put home state guy Sununu there, he clobbers Biden in New Hampshire. But we don't have a lot of information about him anywhere else. And we've also got a uh, somebody pulled Governor Yunkin from Virginia there. And, okay, y- Yunkin does better than Trump in Virginia, apparently. Uh, but, again, doesn't tell you much nationally. doesn't tell you. That nobody's seriously. They're, they're, the number of polls for these also ran. I, sh- I shouldn't even say also ran. None of them are actually running right now. And they may or may not. These are sort of curiosity polls, and they're just a few sparkled here and there and not enough to say anything meaningful. I will notice there haven't actually been any polls at all with Nikki Haley as the Republican, even though she actually has announced. I'm sure there will be at some point, but there haven't been yet. So anyway, have I said enough? Yes, I've said enough. Go to electiongraphs.com, explore, poke around, and go to electiongraphs.com slash 2024EC as well. Poke around there. It's all kind of fun stuff. Comparisons, state details, state detail comparisons, all that kind of stuff. Um, I love it. And I guess I'm now at the point where I'm checking every day for new polls and doing some data entry if there are any. And uh, that'll be slow right now. And uh, we'll undoubtedly go faster and faster and faster as we go through the next 591 days. Okay.
let's take a break. And I'm going to take a break as well, because I can when I don't have somebody else doing this with me. And um, we will come back and talk about sort of the all the rigmarole about possible Trump indictments and all that kind of stuff after this. Oh. Bye. You're listening to this podcast. Do you like it? No! Do you want to support the show? No! Well, after you have subscribed to the show, followed us on Facebook, and told all your friends they should be listening to, what else can you do? I won't subscribe! You can help fund our Patreon at patreon.com slash curmudgeons corner. Patreon is a way you can throw us a few bucks a month to help out with the expenses of the show. You know, web hosting, equipment, a little bit of advertising to promote the show, and maybe every once in a while some much-needed sedatives for Yvonne. At different contribution levels, you can get a mention on the show, a Curmudgeon's Corner postcard, or even a Curmudgeon's Corner mug. Fun stuff! Not fun! In any case, the contributions help tell us that you enjoy and appreciate the show. I really, really hate Curmudgeon's Corner. Are we worth a buck a month? No! Five bucks a month? No! Or if you are nuts about us, maybe even more. One hundred billion! Billion dollars! Even though you don't have anywhere near a billion dollars. If we're worth anything to you at all, send it our way at patreon.com slash curmudgeons corner. Alex hates. Really, really hates. Curmudgeons Corner! That's really mean, isn't it? But I hate Curmudgeons Corner. But I really do! Okay, I'm back. Uh, it's uh, it's the next day for me. Uh, it's nice outside. It's sunny. There are kids playing outside. I can see them from my window. So, yeah. So, what does that mean? It means it is time to talk about Donald Trump, potential indictments, and all of the crazy drama that's surrounding that as we wait to see what, if anything, happens. So, the big thing in the last couple of weeks uh, is that it looks like the New York investigation is on the verge of wrapping up. And Donald Trump came out a couple weekends ago and was like, yeah, I'm going to get arrested on Tuesday. Um, and by, he said that on like a Thursday or Friday, I forget exactly by the time we got to Saturday. Or you know, maybe he said it on Saturday, and by the time we get to Sunday, I'm forgetting the timelines. Anyway, within like 24, 48 hours of him saying that, it was clear he knew nothing. Like, his lawyer was on TV saying, we have not been notified of anything. We do not have any information, whatever. But nevertheless... Everybody went into, oh my God, Trump's about to be indicted watch, including me, by the way. Like I put, you know, I put my efforts to catch up on all those election graphs polls uh, into a higher gear than I would have been otherwise, because I was like, I want to get this out before like an actual indictment drops and starts changing everything. Um, If it does, it might not. But uh, 
but it was already clear <laughs> really fast that Trump knew nothing. But everybody was still all ramped up about it. Um, and by everybody, I don't just mean the media and folks like that uh, who were on high alert watch on Tuesday and then Wednesday and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, it's also Trump got all kinds of Republican elected officials, including people like DeSantis, to make various statements about how this was an unjust witch hunt and blah, 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 and how any other person wouldn't be, you know, uh, attacked for this. And uh, of course, there's there's plenty of contrary evidence of that. Of course, the most obvious is Cohen himself, who this very same set of events went to jail for a while. But then people have also pointed out in New York, various other low profile cases that nobody's ever heard of that, you know, where these laws have been applied against people who aren't big and famous and everyone's heard of them for much smaller amounts and, you know, and who have, you know, been taken to trial, been convicted, and in some cases gone to jail. So it's not like this isn't, like prosecuted. Um, what's rare perhaps is them to go after a high profile figure for this kind of stuff, because those kinds of folks are used to having effective immunity because everybody's afraid of going after big famous people most of the time. Um, there are obvious exceptions. And when those exceptions are out there, we hear about them constantly. Um, but the thing is, the the two things that seem to be clear about this. First of all, Trump still absolutely positively has the ability to set the fucking agenda for what everybody's talking about. He goes and makes this statement that says, I'm going to be arrested on Tuesday. And for days, everybody is like, oh, it's almost Tuesday. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Is this blah, 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 blah. And if this happens, how's it going to play out? And blah, 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 blah. And you know, everyone was talking about this New York case for days and days and days driven by that Trump statement because we can't fucking help it. And I'm including myself. I'm including myself because, you know, but even though it was obvious really quickly that Trump had no inside information, he had not been told he would be arrested or anything like that. He was just spitballing like everybody else. Now, the reason that it resonates is, of course, there's a kernel of truth. It does look like that investigation is in the final phases. They invited him to come talk to the grand jury. That's something they only do at the very end. Um, so it is quite possible that an indictment will drop in New York sometime soon. Uh, you know, maybe next week, maybe the week after, who the fuck knows, but it may be soon, maybe. Or, you know, the grand jury may decide, nah, never mind. The other thing is the elected officials. He still is able to snap his fingers and get them to jump. The fact that there were so many Republicans out there basically pushing Trump's top top pushing Trump's talking points about the New York case. It, he still has them 
wrapped around their finger. They're, they are still frightened of him and more specifically frightened of his core supporters. And they may only be 30% of the Republican primary electorate, but that's enough. <laughs> that's enough. That's enough that every single one of them knows that if they piss off those people too much, they're going to potentially be losing primaries. And I, potentially, like, you know, they might still win, but they know it's going to make them a lot harder and they're afraid of it. And, you know, for all of these years, at, at, you know, at least of the electeds, you, you sort of are like, at some point, are they going to break from it? You know, and I think at this point, everybody knows the answer is no, right? I, I they have had so many opportunities to step off the Trump train from all going all the way back to 2015 straight through. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, the ball, you know, you've got Charlottesville, you've got January 6th, you've got various statements he made about shithole countries. You've got, there has been, Republicans who wanted a path off had many, many, many opportunities. The vast majority did not take them. The ones who did almost universally are now out of office. You had, uh, 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 you know, throughout Trump's term, there were a few senators who left, like Jeff Flake. Um, you know, you've got, of course, Lynn Cheney. All of the ones who chose the direction of actively rejecting Donald, Donald, actively rejecting Donald Trump, bye bye. You know, so that's why they're all scared, and of course they are still scared. Um, and what can you say? I mean, and look, if if there actually is an indictment, it is absolutely certain that damn right, we're going to be talking about it. We're going to be talking about it a lot. You know, if there are multiple indictments, if he gets New York and Georgia and federal and whatever, it's going to be a fucking circus. You know, it's going to be like the center of the chattering classes conversation from now straight fucking through to the election. Uh, we'll, we'll be talking about all the legal maneuvering back and forth. What's he doing there? What's the, what are they doing? What exactly are their charges? When are we going to actually see like a trial? How, how, how long is he able to delay it? Blah, 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 blah. You know, cause you can't, you can't ignore it. Now there are a couple things. One is Trump has been ramping up his sort of violent rhetoric. Um, uh, it, it, first of all, he was calling people out to like protest when he got arrested on, on the Tuesday. Now, he didn't actually get arrested on Tuesday, of course, but hardly anybody showed up to protest or anything. Now, it may be different if he's actually arrested, but so far, response to his calls has been sort of lukewarm. There are at least some people who were diehard reporters uh, who've been interviewed and said things like, well, you know, he didn't back us up. 
so screw him now. Basically talking about him not pardoning all of the January 6th people when he had the chance while he was still president. Um, so I don't know. There's definitely the possibility of trouble. I do not dismiss that at all. I'm hoping that most of the people who are really hot on that kind of thing actually shot their shot on January 6th and a lot of them are in jail or on trial or whatever and are laying low. I I saw a quote from one of, I think it was one of the proud boy leaders basically saying, yeah, I'm not doing anything with this. I'm sitting, I'm sitting low for now, you know? Um, but there's certainly the possibility of chaos. Um, so we'll be watching out for that. And it depends the details of these things too. Like I still have mixed feelings about this New York one going first. Uh, it does seem to be the weakest of all of these. Um, and it gives, let me be clear by what I mean. I, I think the, the evidence is strong that he did it. Um, and as I was saying earlier, lots of people have been prosecuted for these crimes before, and Trump should not be immune from that. But with this going first, it gives a lot of room for the right wing machine to really go hard on, you know, this is a witch hunt. This is a minor little financial thing. It's paperwork. It's, it's, you know, personal business that we have, you know, we shouldn't even be worried about. Like, you know, he was, he was paying off a porn star. So what, you know, things like that. Um, and, and it lets that sort of drive the initial agenda. If this is first, Whereas some of the more serious things uh, with the Georgia investigation, the documents investigation, the January 6th investigation, all might have a little bit more punch to them that might be diminished a little bit by going first with this. Um, I think all of, but you know, I say that from a, you know, what might the effects of this be point of view? I don't think any of the prosecutors in, involved should be thinking about that at all. Like if the New York folks have a case and they think they can win it and they're ready to go, they should go. And if they're first, they're first. Um, but what does all this do? Like, you know, I, I was, I was absolutely confident that in the Republican primary indictments would do nothing but help Donald Trump. Like the more people go after him, the more people will rally around him on the Republican side. And so in the Republican primaries, um, you know, maybe if he was convicted and sitting in jail somewhere, it would be different. Probably not. But, you know, I, I, yeah, De DeSantis and some of the other Republicans who sort of yeah, every once in a while you get reports of secretly they just want Donald Trump to go away. You 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 think you you hear that they 
want the criminal processes to play out, and they want that to take Donald Trump off their hands. Back even in in the impeachment days, you heard you know just sort of off the record Republicans saying we can't do anything, but we hope the Democrats take care of this for us. <laughs> you know, uh, but I don't think that's going to work. At least on the Republican primary side, every bit of this, I think, helps Donald Trump. Uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe some new piece of evidence comes out, changes things. I, I, I really don't believe that. I mean, everything we've seen so far, the core group of people who matter are not influenced by any of this. They, they, they If anything, it makes him look better for them. But it, within the Republican primary, I think this definitely helps Donald Trump. Now, in terms of the general election picture, the versus Biden picture, I honestly am not sure. I I would love to be able to say, I think that, you know, that will do the last little bit to alienate some of these people who don't really want to vote for the Democrat, but are sick of Donald Trump. And maybe for some of them, this will be the last straw and it pushes things over a little bit, either through people deciding not to vote at all or through actually flipping to Biden. I'd love to think that, but there've been enough years of this going on that I, I'm not willing to bet on it. I I wouldn't be surprised if an indictment helps Donald Trump. Trump. It, it is that kind of day. I wouldn't be surprised if that actually helps Donald Trump. Uh, and that there, again, it sort of solidifies people instead. Where there were people who were sick of Donald Trump and ready to be rid of him and willing to sit it out or maybe even vote for Biden, but you come after him that way, you rally around. You're like, they're coming after us again. The 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 goddamn liberals are going after our way of life, our vision of America as embodied in Donald Trump, and you rally around the flag, which in this case is a big blue MAGA Trump flag. So I don't know. I, I just don't know how that will play out. Uh, some of it might matter. Some of the details might matter. Exactly. What is he indicted for? What is the evidence? What does it look like? But not a lot. <laughs> you know, there's only a certain group of people who are paying attention to things at that level of detail. And frankly, they're not the ones that matter. Um, so. I don't know. We're we're still in this. We're in this waiting mode, which is kind of awkward right now. It seems like both Georgia and New York are close to the end of their processes. The federal stuff looks like it's a little bit further out, although you keep getting things about, you know, he's being really aggressive and he's winning cases in terms of getting people to testify and things like that. But it's going to be an interesting summer. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like some people have said Donald Trump wants this cause it'll help him. But I've heard reports more recently that he really doesn't, he would rather not be indicted, but 
he's ready for it if it comes. Um, I've seen others comment that he is still relying on a bunch of his techniques that work really well in civil cases uh, in terms of, you know, things to delay the process and yelling about things in public. Um, that really, it's a different game when you talk about a criminal case, if it gets to that point. Um, and here I go again saying, we'll see. So instead of saying, we'll see over and over and over again, I'll go ahead and wrap up this segment and we'll come back and, uh, I guess talk a little bit about TikTok, 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 TikTok. Back after this. No, no, it's not the beginning of the show again. We're just taking a little time to credit the artist responsible for the music we use at the beginning and end of the show. What you are listening to right now is The O of Pleasure by Ray Lynch. The music we close our show with is Celestial Soda Pop. Both of these songs are from Deep Breakfast. Now Platinum, Deep Breakfast was the first independently released album ever to be certified gold by the RIAA. Ray Lynch's other albums are The Sky of Mind. No Blue Thing Nothing Above My Shoulders But The Evening best of Ray Lynch. You can check out Ray Lynch or buy his music at raylynch.com, iTunes, Amazon, or anywhere you usually find music. Okay, here we go. It's I'm back. It's the blah, blah, blah. It's time for the... Um, the last segment of the show. Uh, and I said I would talk about this TikTok band thing. And honestly, my overall reaction is, oh my fucking God, I can't believe this is even being talked about, let alone being taken seriously in a bipartisan way uh, in Congress uh, and with support by the administration. It's... It's just ridiculous. Now, banning it from like official government phones and stuff, I was surprised things like that were even allowed on them anyway. You know, frankly, it's like it's an official government device. Why the hell do you have random shit like this on it anyway? But so I, I whatever, like, because look, the there are a couple things that were brought up in the hearings this time around. And that other people have brought up. Uh, The one concern is that, hey, 
TikTok is owned by ByteDance. ByteDance is a Chinese company subject to Chinese law, and Chinese law basically says that the Chinese government can dip in there and do whatever they want. And so, therefore, there is a concern that does not exist with U.S. companies, although the U.S. government can also dip into things with appropriate warrants and such, so whatever. But there is a different level of concern that the Chinese government could be using that in some way to spy on Americans, to manipulate us through... Uh, you know, a- algorithmically show us stuff that, you know, li- like all the stuff we were talking about with Twitter and stuff for years about how it was being Twitter and Facebook as well, actually, how it was being manipulated to sow division because you're uh, you know, like the Russians were coming in there and uh, injecting things on both sides of the debate and getting people to fight each other and blah, blah, blah. And also, by the way, lots of evidence that the U.S. was doing the same damn thing, interfering in other countries' politics uh, by social media manipulation of that sort. Um, And, you know, I don't disagree that that's bad. Uh, You know, there are people who minimize it and say, hey, we've done all these studies and very few people actually saw those posts. I think those people missed the point because it's about getting the right people to see the posts, which then in turn drives the agenda. Um, so that, you know, if you get the right reporters to see a post, then they start talking about it and then they start talking about it on their bigger platform. And then, and then even bigger, yeah, it, it goes like that, you know, it, it percolates up. It's about getting the right people to see it, not just about the numbers of people who see it. Anyway, my point is there was concern about the Chinese being able to do that using TikTok, and the examples I just gave indicate that, hey, it doesn't matter if the Chinese own TikTok or not. You know, if they want to do that kind of manipulation, it's been happening all the time on platforms that are American-owned. The fact that it's Chinese-owned doesn't change that. Now, can they dip into the data in a way that they couldn't if they were doing this on an American company? Maybe. Maybe. And so I think there's legitimate concern about some things like that. And I know I'm echoing a lot of other people who've said this, but we have a lot of the same concerns about American companies and other things. Like, if the concern is about the kind of data that's being retained and how that data is being used and that data is being sold, whatever. This is where an appropriate data privacy law might make sense. Like, don't do something specifically targeting TikTok. Do something that targets the overall problem. You have a problem with, you know, what's been called surveillance capitalism. Well, then guess what? It's rampant on almost everything you find online at this point. You know, all those free-to-play games on your phone, the reason they're free-to-play is they are playing with your data and reselling it and trying to get behavioral stuff and using it to target ads and all kinds. If you've got a problem with that, and lots of people don't, by the way, lots of people are absolutely fine with that, say, like, that's an acceptable trade-off for me to get, you know, my cheap stuff. Um, you know, the, 
But if you do have a problem with that, then let's come up with the right set of rules for, you know, how companies have to deal with your information once they collect it or what they're allowed to collect in the first place and that kind of stuff. You know, um, most, lots of other countries across the developed world have begun to pass those laws. You've got things in Europe, you've got, et cetera. But we don't have that yet because we can't get it together. But the sort of rampant, you know, I, I only watched a little bits of the hearing and saw some summaries later. I, di- I did not have time. I was doing other stuff to watch it in whole. But every single minute that I did see, and, and maybe this is selective, maybe I missed like some parts where people were being smart, but just once again, hit me with the, our Congress people don't know what the fuck they're talking about when they come to tech stuff. It's just horrendously pathetic. And when you get one of these situations where, oh, wow, look, it's bipartisan. Both the Republicans and Democrats agree and think there's a problem and think maybe we should do banning and blah, blah, blah. (sighs) That's actually when things are the most dangerous. I mean, you see some of the clips of like these people asking, you know, like, does Twitter access your Wi-Fi? Really? Really? Not Twitter. TikTok. I messed it up. Does TikTok access your Wi-Fi? Of course it fucking does. How do you think any of this works? Ah. You got somebody else? talking about, you know, does it use eye tracking and look at pupil dilation to determine whether or not you like the content you're looking at? The the CEO of TikTok says, no, we don't do that. And he gets mad about it. Now, if you've got evidence they're doing that and not telling people, fine, like, let's talk about it. But as far as I know, it does not do that. Um, now, frankly, given the way technology is evolving, could it do something like that in the past? Maybe, you know, as far as I know, it judges what you like based on, you know, how long you watch something, how you react to it, whether or not you comment, whether or not you like it, whether or not you, you, you pass it and go back to it, you know, all all kinds of stuff like that. How long did you watch is like a really big one. Like how long do you watch before you swipe away on what kind of stuff you can use that to learn all kinds of stuff about people. But, and, and, and look, so if there are national security concerns, and I, I, I can see, okay, fine, you are worried about the Chinese government dipping into this data. As far as I can see, TikTok is bending over backwards and offering, okay, we, we'll, we can have third-party third-party auditors in here to look at the stuff and make sure we're not doing that. We're moving uh, American data all to U.S. data centers. They call it their Project Texas, right? Like it it had been in the U.S. and Singapore. Um, They're moving it all to the U.S. so that it would be subject to U.S. laws because that's where the data is physically located. Um, And they're, they're talking about working with people to put in protections and guardrails and stuff because they're over the barrel about it. Um, 
do that. You know, banning it outright just seems, it seems so regressive. This is not, I mean, and it, it, it even seems more like some people will put this in a commercial sort of mindset in terms of like, you know, why can they put their social media program in our country and we can't put ours in theirs and, and stuff like that. I think that completely misses the point. This, this is different than, you know, arguments over tariffs on steel or something like on some product that is coming back and forth. This is about, you know, a, a, a platform where people are generating content and talking to each other and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, you know, there are lots of Americans that use this platform on a daily basis that love this platform. I, I was watching TikTok videos, you know, 20 minutes ago before I started doing this recording again. Um, lots of people love it. Lots of people are making careers off creating content for it. You are affecting all of them. And it is dangerously close to free speech issues, you know, and, and not, not only free speech, first amendment type stuff. This is, this is, you know, people complain about like, Oh, if Twitter takes down your content or bans you because you're not meeting their terms of service and people say that's first amendment. And of course it's not because the government is not involved. This would 100% be the government being involved. This would be the government coming in and saying, Hey, this whole platform, which is essentially a printing press that's being used by all kinds of people, we're shutting it down. Now, could you argue you're not actually removing those people's right to speech? They can move it. They can do it on another platform, make YouTube videos instead of TikToks, you know, you're and you're absolutely right. And that that's that's part of the counter argument. But it's 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 just in a zone that makes me incredibly uncomfortable. It is saying we are going to shut down this entire platform people use for expression because we're worried about how its owners might misuse that without even having direct proof that anybody that anybody can point to that they are misusing it maybe i would feel differently if like somebody was pointing out here is exactly what the chinese government is doing and I recognize maybe if there is evidence, it would be classified. But, you know, here is exactly some abuses that have happened. And they've been able to point out, like, you know, a couple of people who looked at um, some information about a reporter uh, who were fired for doing that, by the way. Um, I, I just don't see it at this point. And I think if you... It, it, Again, if you're worried about the problems, I also don't like the targeted nature. Like if you're worried about what TikTok can you do with the data, then you should damn well be worried about every other company out there doing the same fucking thing. Don't just like call out TikTok. Say, you know, we don't want the data being used this way. Let's put some regulations around it. Uh, to make sure that either it's you just can't do that or you can do it, but you have to be transparent about it in certain ways or whatever. I am not, by the way, asking for more fucking websites that have the little button that say, do you accept cookies? That is just stupid. Um, but 
you know, try to look at the problem more holistically. The fact that they're even thinking about doing something like, eh, we're just going to ban TikTok. I haven't even figured out like how that actually would work, you know, in terms of, are you just saying that, you know, they can't be on the app stores anymore? Are you saying they have to completely shut down all traffic? Are we going to build a great firewall of America like China has to keep it out? Um, Are we going to uh, just say Twitter can't monetize in the U.S. so it can't pay American creators? What exactly are you saying? Like, what are the details there? And and I don't think there's a good answer. And are you going to, like, go after people who use VPNs to access it anyway? It, it, it's just a whole mess and a whole type of behavior that I don't think the U.S. should be involved in in terms of, like, that that blunt instrument to go after the one thing like again if you if you're going to address the overall problem i think there are all kinds of abuses in terms of how th- this whole ecosystem that is built up about how companies make money simply off of the way they use data about their customers, reselling that data, using it for targeting, using whatever. I think a lot of that is very problematic, actually. And I would welcome certain regulations about it. But, and this comes back to what uh, I, you know, I was arguing with Yvonne a few weeks back about, uh, I was re- mess it up, whether it's rule 230, 320, whatever. What, you, you, that, that rule. Um, in that, while I believe it might be possible for the government to come in and do something that improves the situation, like fixes some of the problems that are wrong without breaking things, if they were very careful, I have close to zero confidence of the ability of our actual government to do this in such a careful way and well thought out way and way that actually understands the tack and the implications and the unintended side effects and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, I just listening to the bits I heard of these hearings was just, I mean, it was a bunch of people grandstanding, trying to brush up their anti-China creds because for some reason that's a thing everybody wants to do right now. Um, And a bunch of people, completely sort of showing off that they don't understand at all. Like it was clear, like lots of people hadn't used the system at all. And it's like, if if you're going, if you're going to try to write legislation on this kind of thing, the least you could do is actually spend some time using it. Um, Like, especially in tech. For some reason, especially in tech, it seems like, and maybe it's just because I know more about tech, and if I knew more about other areas, I'd feel the same way about those. But our national legislators have over and over and over again shown themselves to be rather clueless and to be more than willing to for the ability to say something like I'm protecting the children or whatever, do something that has massive 
unintended side effects that actually end up making things worse and not better. Um, and the, the, the let's protect the children is one of the ones that gets me every time as well. It's like, there's all this talk about how bad the social media is for you and how you're, um, how it's making kids depressed and how it's doing, you know, it's reducing attention spans and whatever. And all of this smells to me like the standard generational panic that has occurred to every generation for time immemorial. Like in terms of like the kids are doing this new thing that I didn't do when I was a kid. And therefore I don't understand. And even when they measure differences, they're, they're adding sort of a, a value laden, like they measure a difference and because it's different, they assume it's bad. Whereas in some cases, the difference may just be, they are adapting to the realities of the new situation of life in that generation. And if they didn't, that would actually hurt them. Like, and I'm, I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent. I always get off on this on screen time in general. Like the people who are so adamantly anti-screen time for kids. I am fucking sorry. Once they're adults, their entire fucking life is going to be on a screen for the rest of their life until some new technology better than a screen comes around. And the time they spend getting using that and being familiar with it and becoming a first-class citizen of that world is going to benefit them in the future. And if it re if they're like the one example I hear all the time in the people have looked at that is reduced attention spans and kids who have grown up on tablets getting, you know, not doing well in a traditional classroom environment. Well, guess the fuck what? The traditional classroom environment is boring compared to a well-designed app teaching you the same fucking thing. So this is not a problem with the kids that they're bored in that class. This is the problem with the class needs to step up its game in order to compete. And you can't do the same shit you did 10 or 20 years ago, let alone even more, you know, and, and I know they're, they're not entirely, but that's, that's the kind of thing. It's not, it, it, it the, 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 the fact that the kids don't want to sit through a boring one hour lecture is not the kid's problem because they've seen they can have better than that. And so now they know the comparison. Uh, yeah, anyway. anyway, like all of this stuff and the kids are all often used as an excuse. Uh, and oh, by the way, on the, the uh, a few things that have so shown like kids and screen time and depression and stuff uh, there, there may, there may be some of that is, is real. And we've talked before about sort of the way the algorithms sort of push in front of you stuff that gets an emotional reaction out of you. And part of that is sort of the comparison, you know, you, oh, you're, you're not as beautiful. You're not as whatever. And, you know, you get depressed over the comparison between what you see posted by other people and you're not living up to that. And there, there perhaps is something to that. Uh, but there, again, there are other ways to deal with that. And also lots of, kids in the generations that are being talked about are also like, don't blame the freaking devices. Look at what's going on in the world. <laughs> you know, there's lots of things to actually be depressed about that, you know, so I don't know, but I think 
even when there is a real problem. And sometimes there are real problems. I think a lot of the time it's way, way, way overblown. And the the quote unquote grown-ups have to get over it, especially the older grown-ups, because we got Congress still full of boomers and silence and people who are who this technology is not something they've ever been comfortable with making decisions about it. Um, but even when there is a real issue, it tends to be completely overblown. And then the reactions to it tend to be extremely hand, ham-handed, extremely ham-handed, uh, with people trying to do things that using very blunt instruments without understanding what they're really doing without paying any sort of serious attention to the people who are raising their hands and saying, Oh, but this will screw up this other thing. And they're basically saying, Oh, but we don't care. It'll protect the children. And I, I think all of this is nonsense. Um, and again, sort of where I started out with, I'm kind of depressed that this is a real thing that's actually being talked about. And I think there was a law passed in Utah and I believe signed requiring like parental consent for teenagers to get access to some of this stuff and required IDs. And I, I think that this is again in the same ballpark. You may think you're solving a problem. You're creating more problems. This is not what you need. And it'll play out the way it plays out, but uh, really frustrating. And yeah. Okay. That's it for me. I think I am done. I don't have any other topics to talk about. And I know this show is uh, shorter than some of our shows, but th you know, that's okay. Our show is often way too long. You admit it. You, you know it's usually too long. So it's fine to balance it off occasionally. Um, anyway, this has been Curmudgeon's Corner. Uh, the stuff I mentioned at the end, you know how to find us, or maybe you don't. If, if this is your first time listening, I'm sorry. But uh, you can find us on our website, curmudgeons-corner.com. Uh, there you will find an archive of all of our shows going back like centuries however long we've been doing the damn shows centuries uh you can go back and see those uh, see you can listen to those old shows we we haven't really done video it's not our thing um you can look at again look at you can listen to the old shows you can see how to contact us uh it, we've got our email our facebook our mastodon links uh contact us in any of those ways uh if you really like the show there's also a link to our patreon uh where you can donate a little money and help out with the expenses of the show uh at various levels we'll mention you on the show we will send you a mug all kinds of stuff fun stuff especially at two dollars a month or more we will send you an invite to our curmudgeons corner slack which is just a sort of chat room where Yvonne and myself and several of our listeners hang out and share news links and talk about what's going on and miscellaneous other stuff, whatever, whatever, uh, hits our fancy flights, our fancy, whatever 
eh, whatever, whatever we want to talk about. Uh, and uh, we would love to have more of you there. And also, like I was saying at the beginning, I emailed 19 people to see if any of them wanted to co-host the show this week. I excluded the last few people who have actually co-hosted. So I was trying to get back further in time to other or to people who had it had been longer since they co-hosted or who have never co-hosted but said they might be interested, et cetera, et cetera. But I got nothing. No response whatsoever. So if you did not get that email and are a listener and would want to maybe participate on the show one day, also send us uh, an email. Uh, it's uh, or, or, or an email, a Facebook message, whatever, uh, Mastodon, whatever. The, all the places I said before, curmudgeons-corner.com, uh, and just uh, let me know that you want to be on that list next time. And, uh, you know, otherwise, I'll go back to just grabbing my son and talking about, like, you know, whatever movies we've watched lately, you know, he, he he's watching a Marvel movie right now. I've, I've, I've picked up this trick that I can sit him downstairs, start a movie and be relatively in peace for the length of the podcast. Uh, so anyway, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we will talk again next week. Hopefully Yvonne will be back this, this time. I think he, he was on vacation again, Disney again, and he just couldn't find a quiet place, I think was the problem. Like every, he, everywhere he went, he couldn't find like a, a business center or something like that. So everywhere was noisy. And so that's that. Anyway, talk next week and, you know, stay safe, all of that stuff. Have a good time, but not too good a time. And we'll be here next week. Goodbye.